Gardening Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning's come around again, and it's time for Let's Talk Gardening. Hey, gardening friends, great to be with you on this rather brisk morning. I have Andrea Whiteley in the studio with me today uh, in the chair for Faye Acaro. Now we've got Bev Daring, we've got John Glidden, and they are ready. So do get your calls in early so we can spend more time with you. Uh, you can email us too, if that's easier, gardening at curtainfm.com.au. Uh, the dynamic duo did great work this morning. Cheers to Chris Bartlett and Mark Carlton, and also to our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan. And Jim will return at 10am with the classic 70s. It's so nice to see you. How are you, Andrea? Oh, I'm very, very well. We Good haven't morning. seen each other since January, I think. No, I was that's right. It yes, it was January. We made it through the summer. <laughs> well, just on my hands and knees. It was brutal, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, I think, for personally, yes. But a lot of people now are complaining about the cold. The cold. Well, it certainly is cold. It's we're, extreme. We're in the middle of um, uh, the Noongar season of Makaroo. Yes, that's right. And um, it's supposed to be the coldest and the wettest. But well, so they got far, the cold bit right. No, we do definitely need a heck <laughs> oh, of a gosh, lot more rain. We do. Yeah, and so I know people are starting to have to drag their hoses out. And, I know. Uh, but the the year is flying. I've had so many people say to me, it's July. Where has the year gone? Where has the year gone? And they are correct. I have no idea. Have I achieved anything? What has happened in the last six months? It's like just one big blur. I don't know. I know. It's crazy. I hope it's it? not just me. Yeah. No, no. I think it's everybody. Everyone says, oh my goodness, July. It's July. It's already. halfway through the year. <laughs> so coming up very shortly, uh, we are chatting to Diego Oliveira from the Fun Guy of WA. Now, Diego has workshops to attend this morning, so hence an early chat with him. He is online, and we're going to learn a little bit about what the Fun Guy WA is all about and how you can grow your own gourmet mushrooms at home. Diego, good morning. Good morning. So how are you going? Good. good. You're morning. with Ray and Andrea. Hi, guys. Hi. You, you sound like you're outside, Diego. Yeah. I am outside. I am currently at a Park City farm. In, um, is the sound not, not great? No, no, you sound fine. You sound fine. What What are the workshops about, Diego? What are you about to do? So I uh, I have, once a month, I have a run workshops teaching people how to grow gourmet mushrooms from home. Um, yeah. And, and so you're a one-man band, I take it? Yeah, <laughs> one-man band organizing. And I, I run a little farm as well uh, where I, uh, I inoculate and grow uh, gourmet fungi and, and sell in, into this, this box called mini farms where people can just open it, spray water, and uh, mushrooms grow from it. So how did, how did you start off? What, what inspired you? How did you get to be the fun guy? Uh, so, yeah, about four years ago, sorry, the train's going fast now. <laughs> um, about four years ago, I um, was listening to one, 
on podcast about mushrooms and it sparked my interest and I sourced my first uh, mushroom mini farm um, and that worked worked great and then I just went from there and uh, you know started researching YouTube and researching online having a lot of failures um, and learning from it so um, and I guess I started going to um, farmers markets selling my mushrooms and people had a lot of curiosity on how you know how that that's grown and, and the like so mm. I thought well I, I think I'm going to focus more on um, showing people how to grow them rather than, than selling the mushrooms itself. Uh-huh. It's actually uh, quite, quite a fun experience, yes. And how many varieties do you offer? I have at the moment seven varieties. I work along, uh, along the season. Some mushrooms, uh, particular, uh, particularly the ones found in Southeastern Asia, for example, they like more warm weather. So I tend not to grow them this time of the year, although they're beautiful. Some people do ask for it. Um, and in winter, you have some other varieties, uh, perhaps found in North America or... Um, you know, Europe, East Europe, there's, there's a few varieties from there. They, they like the cold, cold weather, so, you know, try to grow this, them in winter. And how, how easy is it to, you know, buy a box from you, a kit, and, and, and do it yourself? How simple is it? Yeah, it's basically everything is being prepared and, and taken care of, prepared in the lab. So uh, once someone buy one of those kits, that's, uh, you know, it's a fungi that's being, uh, it's, properly colonized and it really wants to throw fruit uh, to basically off spring. So all you need to do is opening, opening up the box, there's a few instructions, just you know, cut, yeah. a, cut a box and there's a bag inside and spray water twice a day. Uh, within, within the first two weeks, normally I start seeing some little pink heads uh, of mushrooms and from that they only take like five days to be fully mature. Wow, that's fast, isn't it? It is really quick. And what kind of environment do they like to grow in? Do they need to be in the sun or or undercover? Or how? what's the best place for them? Well, um, the only requirement really is to be away from direct sunlight, only because the UV light from the sun uh, can kill the mycelium. But anywhere, um, you know, anywhere, I normally say if someone has one or two of those kids, just on a kitchen bench or on a shelf, somewhere that's out of your way. Just remember to water, to spray water twice a day. Um, it's very interesting for kids as well, as, you know, school uh, holidays projects, you know, before yeah. school, after school, um, give a quick squirt, uh, squirt with um, a spray bottle and that's how it takes. And what better than, what could be better than an indoor edible plant? How yeah. fantastic is that? <laughs> yeah, that's why it's of my interest because uh, I literally I, I, I run this business from home, and um, most of, most of it is uh, prepared outside. But um, and I have a little lab. Um, but my colonization is all done in, in you know a corner of my garage. They are stuck in shelves, so they don't take much space at all. Mm. And of course, mushrooms are a little bit all the rage with regard to. Uh, the the value of, of eating mushrooms, the nutrition. Yeah, so there's some, a few fun facts uh, uh, in that regard. A lot of people ask me if uh, mushrooms need to be grown in the dark. That's uh, that's a no. Um, basically, um, you know, bottle mushrooms and field mushrooms they find in the supermarket. They only grow in the dark, so they they grow pale. Uh. Uh, exposing mushrooms to UV uh, to to some light actually um, give them a bit more vitamin D. And, uh, you know, wintertime, the days are short. You don't get to, 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 to observe much sunlight. 
and you might be lacking in vitamin D. And mushrooms are one of the only foods that provide you with vitamin D. On top of many minerals, they, you cannot uh, really um, absorb from plants, um, yeah. you know, a lot of uh, protein for people that don't, don't eat meat and, and the likes. So, yeah. And so with your workshops, you're about to do one this morning at Perth City Farm. What goes on there? What's the workshop for? So they, they basically teach um, people that are attending how to make them, how to prepare um, a mushroom block, I suppose, mm. and inoculate it uh, in a way that um, basically what you want to do when you're growing mushrooms is to you source um, a fungi culture and you want to um, place this, um, this fungi culture into a substrate. But you want you know, a substrate to be nice and moist and it will be nutritious, so chances are that there is other spores in the air, there, uh, there might be bacteria in that substrate that you like to compete with the fungi. So there's a few things that have to be done, uh, perhaps sterilizing it, um, sterilizing the substrate or pasteurizing the substrate. So that's what I teach on the workshops is how to uh, prepare the substrate in a way that you can give the fungi they want to grow a head start. Hmm, you know, it's, and, so, and what's the interest in that like? Well, sorry, I didn't get what, your What question. is the interest in your workshops like? How, how involved are people? Um, yeah, no, it's, very, it's been very, very welcoming. Uh, most mm. of my workshops normally sell out, which is yeah. really great. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, I try to run also every three weeks or a month um, just because, you know, um, I also have another job. <laughs> so, yeah. like, like you mentioned, when, when, uh, when it's just uh, talking um, one man band, there's a lot that goes on pre- uh, preparing those workshops. Yeah. Um, I'm all about, you know, showing people I'm not just um, selling my product. Obviously, there's a value to it because there's yeah. a lot of labor that goes into it. Mm. And perhaps someone wants to continue growing them, it's not really feasible to be buying those mini farms all the time. That's more of like an experience, um, you know, it's the, the easiest way to experience mushroom growing. But um, if someone is interested, um, you can always learn online. Um, but what I, what I do on my workshops is to target people and say, look, um, those products that you can easily find in WA um, work really well, and that's how you do it. And, and um, give people the head start, I suppose, rather than being trying and erring like I did when I, when I learned to grow mushrooms. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And can you share with us a quick and delicious mushroom recipe? Or have I catched, uh, caught you too much off the cuff? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, um, I mean, one of my favorites is beef stroganoff. Um, there's many yes. for this recipe. Uh, it's, uh, it's a Russian recipe. Um, but um, the way I cook it, I try to get some tender tender meat yes. um, and I fry um, uh, you know uh, season the meat probably about 10 minutes before I leave outside the fridge uh, it's very important to uh, to season before you um, you cook it not uh, chuck in the pan and, and, and then seasoning so I season the meat uh, and with a very hot pan I throw that uh, the meat in, I'll say about, you know, um, 500 grams per kilo. Yeah. Um, it's funny enough, I'm, um, I'm a chef by trade, but ah. I don't really go by recipes. <laughs> so um, half a kilo to a kilo, um, throw in, the, in a very hot pan with a little bit of oil and fry, uh, just seal the meat. And then remove the meat from, from the pan, uh, set aside on a bowl. And then from there, uh, what you do, you, um, you saute your onions on that uh, same 
the same pot that had a little bit of the the flavors left from 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 the meat. Uh, Saute yeah. your onions, yeah. um, and then introduce your mushroom, uh, and then the meat goes back in. Uh, a little bit of cream, not much, um, and Dijon mustard. Yes. Um, and and that's my uh, yeah, that's my favorite way to prepare it. If you are and you have some some available, a little bit of whiskey, just uh, just a toss. Yeah. When you find your onion, uh, works really well. Just wait for it for the, the alcohol to to evaporate. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's that's a, a recipe that I quite quite often um, cook. Simple and delicious. Mm. Sounds pretty yes. good to me. Uh, to be honest, when you when you uh, if you are lucky enough to find those gourmet mushrooms, those exotic mushrooms from yeah. uh, normally uh, a farmers market because they don't really sell in supermarket. They don't. No, really no, there's well. not much range, is there? Mm. Exactly. So what I uh, normally recommend to people, if you first time you, uh, you're trying them, just cook them uh, plain simple, just some butter or olive oil or garlic, salt and pepper, pan fry them and serve on the side so you can actually taste the difference in, in, in the textures and yeah. the flavors. They are way different to the mushrooms that you find in the supermarket. Oh, oh, 200%, absolutely. So Diego, you're going to give us a couple of free mushroom kits to give away this morning. Definitely, yes. So um, I'll, I'll leave for you guys to to run um, yes um, to run the promo. And what will happen is uh, if you can get um, oh, we will send winners. you the details, and you will be able to forward those kits on to the winners. Yes, definitely, definitely. Too easy. Look, um, good luck for this morning and your workshop, and of course going forward. And uh, if I have it all correct here, if people want to learn more, uh, your your website is thefunguywa.com.au. Correct. It spells as a fun, F-U-N-G-U-Y-W-A. Yes. The fun okay. guy. <laughs> yes, you are. Thank you. Look, go well. And thank you for giving us a couple of mushroom kits to give away on air. I know our listeners uh, will scoop my them pleasure. up. My pleasure. I'm sure people will enjoy it. All right. You Thanks take so care. Much. Thanks, Diego. Thank you. Cheers for now. Very interesting. Of course, his mushrooms are what I love about the pictures I saw. Well, actually, they look like they were too nice to eat, actually. They're just almost like a work of art. Um, exactly. In a box. So and to I have thought, them in your, on your kitchen bed is beautiful. Just absolutely absolutely. amazing. It reminds me of walking through the, you know, the markets in France where you see all those different types of mushrooms. Oh, that we, all we can yeah. get here is white oh, or brown. I know. And so to be able to grow so them boring. yourself is yeah. so exciting. Yeah, and they grow so fast. Yeah, well done. Oh, him. absolutely delicious. All right, look, we have um, Caroline has been waiting for a long time. Caroline, how are you? You with Ray and Andrea? Oh, hi. Good morning, ladies. Hi, that Caroline. was really hi. That was a really interesting um, chat. chat yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think you're going to have a lot of people going for those mushroom kits. Oh, yeah. Including yeah. myself. I'd I love know. to. Really, and Give super to easy to grow yeah. as well. So. Yeah. 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 Oh, that, no, that sounded really good. Um, what I was ringing about, I bought a hydrangea, just a small one. Uh, when I bought it, there was a little bit of browning on the leaves, and she said, yeah, that's because we're coming into cold weather. And the, br- which I thought, okay, the leaves have gone a bronze colour, but it, it had buds on it and they've flowered. I just think, I wonder, I've seen in the past, they say when it's that young, to cut the flowers off and let it put the strength in the roots. Do I do that with a hydrangea? How big is it, Caroline? Uh, not big. It's about 
two feet high, oh, okay. including the pot. All oh, right, okay, so it's not not teeny tiny. Very good. So, no. look, at this time of the year, the leaves do look rather ratty because we've experienced a very, very hot and, as we were talking about before, quite a brutal summer. So oh. hydrangeas don't really like West Australian summers. Um, oh. So you could remove those uh, leaves that are looking a bit brown and um, dispose of them. Now, they'll most likely have a fungal disease on them um, there'll be, you know, sort of a, a white, powdery, mildewy type thing on them as well as the browning. So remove that and dispose of that, uh, put it in the bin, don't put it into your compost. Um, and then you'll find that um, it will put more energy into the buds and new leaves uh, ready for flowering in the summertime. Oh, do I cut the flowers off as well? Are there flowers on it now? Yeah, yeah. Right, that's quite unusual. So it shows you what a yeah. kind of weird climate exactly. creep we're experiencing. Yeah. So, uh, look, I would wait till they're spent. You'll see they'll yeah. sort of start to, finish, you know, enjoy them while they're on the plant um, and wait till they're spent, cut them off, definitely, and trim off some of those dead and awful-looking leaves and then the plant oh, yeah. will put more energy into new fresh leaves and new fresh flowers for you. Right, but it, all the leaves are brown. There's not a green leaf on it. Right, okay. Well, I wouldn't cut them all off. Uh, leave some, leave a few, leave the best of them. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I've seen people do is they like cut the leaf in half. So you can do that for sure. Yeah. So just with okay. a pair of secateurs, some sharp secateurs. Yeah. It wouldn't yeah. hurt to give it a spray with yeah. uh, a copper oxychloride spray, which sounds very chemical, but it's very not, organic. Yeah. So um, give right. it a spray, and that's just a fungicide. And that will yeah. help it, um, st um, you know, stay healthy in the in the spring and the summertime. So fungus is a problem with um, them, uh, is it? Yes, very much so. Oh, because right. you sort of oh. keep them in in a warm, shady position, which is a perfect breeding ground for fungus. Oh right, okay then. And and it's no time. The other thing is, when do I put it into a bigger pot? Uh, I'd wait a little bit. Wait till it okay. gets a bit more established. How big is the okay. pot now? It's a perp, uh, I don't know how I don't know how big it's about eight inches high. Oh, okay. So you might want to transplant. I would transplant it into a bigger pot now. All oh, right. Okay. Because yeah. mm -hmm. you, you want yeah. to encourage that root growth and make sure that you buy a really good quality potting mix. I always say to people, um, buy the best potting mix that you can possibly afford, um, yeah. because that will have some fertilizer in it as well and really support the root growth of that plant. So you want it to, to establish some roots before the summer. And I, and I wanted to put it into a pot, not into the ground. Oh, definitely, I, in a pot. Cause I, yeah, because my soil's not very good. And I bought a nice big pot to put it in. Does it matter if I go too big with the pot? Not at all, not at all. Okay. It, mm. Yeah, it, it can, because you want to allow for some growth as well. So that would yes, be great. Okay, lovely. But okay, really lovely, good potting mix. Oh, yes, yes, I agree with you on that. Yeah, yes. Okay, then, thank you very much for your help. All right, thanks, Good Caroline. luck, Caroline. Bye -bye. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Cheers. Okay, we do have to have a quick break. We'll be chatting with Bill about frangipanis on the other side. Curtain Radio. 26 minutes after eight already, you are tuned to Let's Talk Gardening with my special guest this morning, Andrea Whiteley. Okay, we're heading to Q Dale. Bill, good morning. Oh, good morning, uh, girls. Can you hear me all right? Good sure morning, Bill. can. Loud Thank you. Clear. Thank Loud you for waiting. All right. Okay, good. No worries. What it is, my sister <clears throat> has got a couple of frangipanis that'd be 
uh, probably good three metres high, well established. And of course, uh, excuse me, she wants to get rid of them because she reckons the leaves are a pain in the uh, backside, you know? When, so, they, when uh, they drop. Said, what do I do? Mm. I said, what are, she said, what do I do? I said, oh, I'll ring the girls at 100.1. And maybe they might have someone or, you know, if someone wants them, they can pick them up, dig them out and put them in a new place. How big are and they, Bill? Uh, that'd be at least about three metres high. They're pretty well established. Wow. I don't know why she'd want to get rid of them. They're, they're so beautiful and oh. super tough. With oh. no, they need no water. She told me about it because <laughs> I said to her, why you want to get rid of oh, the leaves when they fall down they make a mess? I said, come on, get a bin, pick them up, put them in the bin. Oh, I think, Bill, maybe you need to volunteer and pop around to her place. <laughs> just sweep yeah, them up. Yeah. But look, if she is wanting to get rid of them, um, there's a couple of things you yeah. could do. You can take a whole yeah. lot of cuttings from them um, and sort of cut it back to almost nothing. And you can either put them onto your verge, you can advertise them on your local Facebook Buy Nothing page. That's yeah. a great way to share them yeah. through the community. And then everyone will have a little um, frangipani from your, yeah. your sister, which would be lovely. Um, so sharing them in the community, I think, would be a really great way to go. Look, you can even put them the cuttings on your verge, and I bet they'll be gone they by disappear. the weekend. Yeah. Probably will. How many, how many frangies are we talking, Bill? Two of them. Two oh, just two. Okay, cool. What I'll do is I'll put you back to Bev, and if anyone out there is interested in them as established yep. trees, as another option, yep. they can ring the station yep. and we'll connect you. Beautiful. Thank you very much. And they're pretty easy to dig out too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. But like I say, she had a, um, a, uh, a, what do you call those um, trees, uh the round, the, the uh, cocky glove, um, a walnut tree, I think it was. And uh, she wanted to cut it down. The nut leaves again. I thought, oh, that's <laughs> she's just a, that's She's just very part. tidy, Bill, very tidy gardener. Yeah. <laughs> And that could be okay, hard. Thank you. All well, right. I, don't, don't, don't hang up. I'm putting you back to bed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No ciao, ciao. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Look, they do um, drop their leaves, don't they? But they are big leaves they're and they're easy leaves. to pick they're up. Super easy to pick up. Yeah. And, um, you know, if, if you keep at them, you know, they'll, they'll go away quite quickly. And, and isn't it amazing? I, my poor frangies are still trying to flower. Mine July. have not even lost their leaves. No. The odd leaf here and there, and certainly the ones I transplanted in the middle of summer, yeah. have not lost a single leaf. And the inflows, I was looking at it yesterday, and they're starting to create new flowers. And mm -hmm. I thought, who believes this in the middle of July? And it is very cold, which they don't enjoy. These poor devils are still trying to push out But it flowers. shows you that the soil is still warm enough for yeah, them to be to wanting do to so. do that. Yeah. yeah, it's just amazing. So, so, yeah, okay. Let's go to Kelmscott. Anna, good morning. Good morning. Hello, Anna. Good morning to you both. I'm calling to... A, I, I, I can't manage... I don't have internet or anything like that. And since the quokka folded, I don't know where to look for 
someone who will do my tree pruning for me. I've got fruit, four or five fruit trees, and I need them pruned. And I don't know where to or how to contact someone who will do a good job and not just hack into them. Sure. Well, um, it's uh, pruning fruit trees is, is not that difficult to do, uh, except if you've perhaps planted full-size trees and um, nobody's going to get the fruit from up on top of those full-size trees. So that's where the, the smaller variety of citrus are so good these days. Um, but if you, if you need uh, somebody, perhaps we can put you back and, and I can uh, share a number for you um, after that the program. That would be wonderful yeah. because I'm 82 and I can't manage like I used to. Well done, Anna. 82, that's a fantastic age. Keep going. Keep gardening. Absolutely. Thank you. So, Anna, don't hang up. I'm putting you back to Bev. We'll get your details, you. and then Andrea will contact you after the program. Thank you very much. You're Have welcome. Have a good day, ladies. You too, you Anna. Too. Enjoy the sunshine. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Okay. All right. And I popped her back to Bev as well. Uh, we've got a few calls coming through, and our number, of course, is 94841927. So I've got lots of goodies to give away today. Obviously, we're going to give away uh, several mushroom kits, compliments of the Fun Guy WA, which you just heard us chatting with Diego a short while ago. I've got a $75 gift voucher to give away from Bigger Trees, and I've also got... Uh, some products from Very Gross and it's a new product that they've created and these ones are the, the product that I have is the foliar spray so two bottles of foliar spray from Very Grow to give away as well so as we trot along through the program this morning we will give goodies away as Lucky listeners well. <laughs> Yeah, not too bad, <laughs> not too bad at all So okay, we're just waiting for a call to come up so I think Bev is preoccupied What I think we'll do is whilst it's still fresh we do have two mushroom kits to give away we're going to pass your details on to Diego and he is going to directly send those kits to you so we have two to give away if you'd like one if you'd like one be patient because of the lines and uh, poor old Bev out there I can see she's very busy give Bev a call and just register your details I'm not going to make it uh, members only or anything like that I'm not going to make it complicated give Bev a call now on 9484 1927 if you'd like to win one of these fabulous f mushroom kits from uh, the Fun Guy WA and wouldn't we all like to win one okay Hey, I'd love to win one. <laughs> really? <Me laughs> Actually, too. I think I might even go and buy one. I think. <laughs> yeah, well, they're not. They're, let me tell you, they're not expensive for what you get from them either. I can certainly and share that. And what a great with you. fun thing to do in the winter to yeah. go and learn something. Yeah, learn something different. There's so many amazing workshops and things that you can do in the Going winter. Going on out if there. If you don't feel like getting out there in the garden, mind you, this mind you, weather, this weather is perfect. Perfect for gardening. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, enjoy some sunshine during the day and then yeah. those cold nights. You can feel the cold night air coming in at about 4.30, At least, yeah, or earlier, um, and there's a dampness in that air. So it, And, of course, it is very cold first thing in the morning as well. So get out if you can and you have the opportunity somewhere in the middle of the day. There's lots to do in the garden at the moment. So tell me what you're doing So right at now. the moment I am pruning back all of my... I've tried to let all of my salvias grow for as long as possible mm. and flower they've still been flowering mm. so I really you know normally when they stop flowering and they sort of 
die off a bit, the flowers die off, it's time to start pruning them back uh, so that you're going to get that beautiful spring flush. So um, I've been watching them and they're still providing lots of beautiful food for, we have tiny little birds in our garden, lots of them. And so the, I see them still going in and getting lots of food. So I've been really reluctant to trim them back. But uh, this week I decided they're just looking far too ratty. So I have pruned back a lot of the salvias to get them into that really nice shape yeah. about 20 centimetres off the ground yeah. so that then I'm going to get that gorgeous spring flush and more mm. more food for my little birds. Yeah, yeah. Salvias mm. are my absolute all-time fave. So, um, yeah, I've got a lots of lots of different types yeah. and uh, so each one requires different types of pruning at they, different they, times. They definitely and, do. It's yeah. knowing that, isn't it? it you is, can, it's yeah. not a one-size-fits-all. But you can watch the plant and the plant will tell, tell you when you. it's time to prune. It's when the flower spike dies off, mm. then it's time to start it pruning down. it and cut it down a little bit. And quite so, often, I notice with some of the salvias, they start to reshoot at the base. Exactly. That's, that's another that's really a good, good sign. little uh, sign yeah. that it's time to start pruning off that top, yeah. top bit yeah. and, and get them down into a nice shape. So, Because yeah. otherwise they can go a bit nuts. They can. So, yeah. They can get but very stalky. Depending on the variety, of course. But yeah. yeah, time to prune them back a little bit. It's also a great time to get out there and if you're... Uh, for instance, our mandarin tree, it's all finished, all the fruit's finished. Uh, it's a great time to go around and make sure that there's no fruit on the ground yes. and give it a bit of a prune, get it into a nice shape and then spray it with, uh, perhaps you want to spray it with a fungicide mm. um, to make sure that you're um, covering that option. And you would do that with your um, all your stone fruits at this time of the year. So they'll finish... Um, that will have finished fruiting and dropped all their leaves and sort of just looking pretty sticky. Mm, um, and mm. now that's the time to give them a nice spray mm. with the copper oxychloride to prevent uh, the the like things like peach leaf curl yeah, um, happening. Yeah. And so you have to do that before bud burst. So yeah, that's really yeah. important that you spray it when it's dormant yes, um, and when it's got no leaves on it. So it's correct. a good time to trim things back, tidy up. Um, perhaps put them all into the compost, but you don't want to be putting anything that's got a fungal disease into your compost. No. So you need to dispose of that in a different way. Um, but a really good time to be out there trim, trim, trimming, bit of cutting. Well, I, I discovered uh, on my lemon tree citrus gall wasps. Oh, dear. So um, the giveaways, okay, yeah, just <laughs> the mushroom kits have been uh, uh, won, just to let other listeners know, because I think poor old Bev is out there, the phone lines are overwhelming, overwhelming <laughs> and I'm just getting looking at hand signals, frantic hand signals, the giveaways are gone, so the two mushroom kits from the fun guy uh, have been won, got everyone, so thanks for playing with us, there's more competitions coming up uh, as we progress through the program, I'll let Bev out there, catch her breath. So no, sorry, back to... That's all right. So it's really important with if you're growing fruit trees and any mm. type of fruit tree mm. that you have good hygiene underneath the base of the tree. Mm. So removing any fruit, removing any leaf matter underneath yep. that's dropped. Mm. Um, and that goes for stone fruits, apple trees, um, all your citrus. Make sure that there's a good clear space underneath the drip line of the tree, which is if yeah. you look at your tree and see where the edge of the leaves are yeah. on the sides of the trees, you'll see that is the Your drip, drip line. line. Yeah. So make sure that everything's clean 
clean and clear underneath there. Um, no no mulch underneath there. It's just all nice and clear. So you can have mulch in a circle around the drip line, mm -hmm. but not in the drip line. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you maintain that hygiene, you're going to have a much better result for okay. summer. And why not um, mulch up to the trunk? Well, particularly with citrus, it, it has too much root competition. They have very uh, a lot of shallow roots. roots. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it's too much root competition and um, it's better just to have it nice and open in terms of hygiene as well. Okay. So that's it was a really good point that you made about the citrus gall wasp. Yeah. Be on the lookout for that. Yeah, well, um, he's, he's presenting himself right now. Uh, right now. The swellings so, yeah, are there. See. So on the, on, particularly on lemon trees, mm. uh, you'll see a swelling on the stem. That's right. And um, that swelling is the citrus gall wasp where it's laid its eggs and the little um, wasps are hatching. Mm. So they're, you know, as they all grow inside, it's like their little house. Mm. And, um, as they grow inside, you'll see it gets bigger and bigger. Mm. Um, and then they make a little hole and all fly off, off and off they go to do their, their work at another person's tree. Yeah, do some more damage so, elsewhere. So if good, you good. see it, everyone should be checking their lemon trees mm. in particular. And if you have one, um, you won't have a, you might not have a lot of them. You might just have one or two. So you need to cut off that affected branch. Mm. Um, just, just the bit where, just a bit underneath where the gall is. And um, you need to dispose of that in in the rubbish. So in a in a bag, yeah. Um, and dispose of it in your red littered bin. Don't mm. put it back into your compost because they'll still hatch. Yeah, correct. Um, particularly if you just chuck it on the top of your compost or throw mm. it into the garden. Oh yeah, bin, yeah, yeah. No, they'll don't definitely do that. still hatch. Mm. So um, yeah, remove them. And it's not a bad idea to um, contact. Uh, the Department of Agriculture, DPERT, let and them know. let them know as well so that they, they can sort of track it through the suburbs. And the other thing that they're asking us all to look out for I at know what you're is gonna the say. shot hole borer. Yeah, the polyphagus so, shot yeah. hole borer. So yeah. we need to keep an eye out for that as he's, well. He's moving. He's on the move for sure. Yeah, yep. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so those are two very important things. Well, when I discovered the gall wasp this week, I did contact DPIRD. Great, great uh, idea. And reported it. Yeah, it's oh. the right thing to do. And if you see it on your tree, please cut it off because yes. it's not just uh, going to affect your tree, but everybody else in your local area who's mm. got a lemon tree, who's trying their hardest to grow their own lemons, yeah. um, will affect them as well. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Okay, good advice. 94841927. We shall return. Kitchen Radio. Uh, you are with Ray and Andrea. Let's talk about <laughs> weeds. They are going for gold, as oh, Faye would say, at yes. the moment in our gardens. They are. They are. Look, so there's all sorts of weeds out there at the moment. Yeah. And I'm just going to throw... You're going to throw it out there. I'm going to throw it out there. That lettuce is expensive. Everything's expensive. Why yeah. not eat your weeds? Yeah, it's knowing. So knowing which, which weeds exactly. you can eat. Exactly. So look, there's great resources out there and people have been, this is not a new thing. People have been eating what we call weeds. I mean, let's face it, a weed is just a plant that's growing in the wrong spot that you don't particularly want in your garden. So um, it, rather than going out there and nuking everything, just because we don't want it there. There's lots of things that you can actually do with your weeds that you might not have thought of. Yeah. So for instance, um, so if you take dandelions, for example, so dandelions are kind of pretty. They have um, a nice serrated leaf, quite a big Got leaf. Got those in my garden, yeah. yes. And they have a little yellow flower yes. on them. Now you can eat every part of the dandelion. You can do a different thing with it. So you can eat the leaves. Uh, you can use the leaves for salad 
as an alternative for salad. They have uh, vitamin A, C and K and a great source of calcium, potassium, iron and manganese. See, this is the thing. A lot of people don't realise how nutritious weeds are. Really nutritious. Highly. Um, you can either eat the leaves raw, so as an alternative to lettuce, like why would you pay for lettuce uh, mm. if you can get get it for free so if you have lots of dandelions in your garden or you know somebody that does by all means you can eat the leaves for sure as an alternative to uh, lettuce or other leafy greens and the flowers can be used to make wine now I'm all for that oh my word so just look it up there's plenty of books in the library of how to do dandelion wine or you can uh, go online and must, google it must say I've never tried that there you go <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other thing is the roots of the dandelion are very well known for um, for making coffee a coffee alternative so all those people that have been uh, buying uh, Arabica coffee plants thinking that they were going to grow coffee in Perth mm -hmm. um, that's a really difficult thing to do um, it can be done for sure um, but a lot easier to perhaps grow dandelions and use that as a coffee alternative so you dry the root and then grind, grind it up and you can use it as a coffee alternative Goodness. so that could be a bit of fun as well now, the bane of everybody's existence here in Perth is Guildford grass or onion oh, grass. Oh, yes. Um, so if you eat the corms, they taste like water chestnuts. Oh. Edible. Uh, the fruit can be eaten raw and are very sweet. So why not give it a try? Oh, and the leaves I, I are also edible. I didn't know that. There you the go. The pesky onion grass. So you think you've got a lawn full of it. Yeah. You've got all these, don't need to buy a can of water chestnuts from a country far, far away. Good grief. They just chop them up, put them in the stir fry. So give them a wash first though. Of course. Yes, and yes. hopefully you haven't treated it with uh, weed killer. Poison, exactly. <laughs> that's right. Mm. The other thing that's everywhere at the moment, you know what I'm going to say, is the sour sop. Yeah. which is uh, the oxalis. So you might look at it and try looking for a four-leaf clover. You won't find four-leaf clovers in the sour sop. It's, um, it is an oxalis, so it grows from a bulb underneath. If you're wanting to really remove it, it's a, a very difficult task. Um, but digging it up and removing the, the actual bulb will definitely reduce it. So mm. if you keep on doing that year yes. after year, eventually you'll exhaust it. So um, you'll remove it that way. Or it'll but exhaust you. I did find. you know that you can use it as a sweet and sour sauce? No, I didn't know. So you can put it in, stir fry it up, and it's got that sour sort of, that's why it's called sour soap. Mm. You, it's got a sort of a slightly sour, tangy taste, mm. and it really enhances a sweet and sour sauce. So you okay. can put it into a stir fry. No, do not know. And it's very high in vitamin C. Mm. Um, now you do need to eat the sour sop uh, it's probably the most prolific weed that we've got but you need, do need to eat it in moderation uh, because it has oxalic acid in it which is mm. uh, you know, not, not really the best it can give you a bit of a headache and a bit of a pain in the tummy so uh, don't eat too much of it okay. would be my tip yep, yep. Um, also purslane so purslane yeah. is that really flat yeah. fleshy, almost like a succulent mm -hmm. so you can definitely eat that Yes. Um, chop it up Put it into a salad. Interesting mm. sort of um, uh, taste. Uh, interesting sort of um, texture because mm. it's fleshy, a little bit crunchy. Um, so give it a go. So instead of out there poisoning your weeds with nasty things, have a have another thought. Have another thought about it. All and right. um, we'll come back to that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we're in Ridgewood. Dawn, thanks for waiting. 
That's fine. How are you this morning? Hello, Dawn. We're good. Um, have you ever eaten weeds, Dawn? A stinging nettle, I have. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Very Sting good. Great yeah. one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it makes a good alternative to spinach. It does. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I have a question about bulbs. Now, last year, I planted about 100 really pretty daffodil bulbs out of the doubles and the apricots and all the pretty ones. This year, I didn't lift them last year, but this year when they've come up, every single one of them is now a white jonquil. What's happened? Well, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know the answer to that. Perhaps you had jonquils in there in the pack as well, did you? No, I've never, ever planted white jonquils. And you've got them. Oh, my God. Yeah, and they're everywhere now. Even my early years out the front... Uh, that had bloomed beautifully every year, and now white jonquils. Well, I mm. hope you like jonquils. Do I dig them up and start I would again? Dig or them, I would it? dig them up and um, replant. They might have reverted to something, but I honestly have never heard that before. Um, I'm thinking maybe there was a, a rogue one or two in there, and, you know, they're going to take advantage of a good situation like any other plant. <laughs> and um, if they're, if the one jonquil bulb is super happy there, it's going to take over um, right. so, and multiply at a time when you're not looking. So um, <laughs> if you don't want them there, I would remove them and then next year plant fresh daffodils. Yep. Okay. But enjoy them. Thank you very Let much. Let them flower in the spring. Enjoy them at least. I'll... And they're flowering get... now, so oh, I won't disturb them now. Yeah, no. But um, yeah, once they're finished, I'll um, I'll dig them all up. Dig them all up. Mm. Bad luck. That's mm, disappointing, Dawn. It is, but yeah. that's the way it goes sometimes with gardening. This year, absolutely. This year, I've uh, planted a whole lot of really rare daffodils in um, in pots. Yeah, and oh, just some right. different ones. And I've tried to separate them. I'm, I'm normally you know, I like to mix them up. But this year I've separated them so I know exactly which one is in which, bo- which pot yeah. in terracotta right. pots at the front door. So um, oh. I'm, I'm waiting, very mm. excitedly yeah. waiting mm. for some... And it's good to plant different ones, you know, some of the little petticoat ones and delicate little daffodils. There's so many different varieties that you can get. Um, there's a great um, uh, place that grows them down south that you can order. Oh, order right. them so they're really good for West Australian conditions. They're bred mm. here. Okay. So, um, What's the name of the worth. place? Do you know? I can't tell you that. Yeah, no, I that's know. right. Oh. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's called Bulbs with a Difference. Bulbs with a Difference, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No worries. And they have a great catalogue and you can uh, mm. order them by catalogue and they'll post them to you. And they have lots of different ones. Uh, they've got okay. summer bulbs and winter bulbs. Oh, that's Sorry, wonderful. it's called Tulips with a Difference. Yeah. Mm. Oh, tulips. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they have everything. All right. Thank all right, Dawn. All the best. Thank Good you. luck with your job. Thank you. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Thank you. Bye for now. I learnt the hard way about jonquils. I put them in the ground and, uh, yeah, they, they can take over. I think they are great in a pot. Yes, because they just right. yeah. they do multiply. They do, and yeah. Uh, yeah, take over the garden if you're not careful. Some yeah. people like that. I um, know, and um, you know, as in a lot of places, they grow them in amongst the lawn. So you'll see that, particularly in Europe, they yeah. they they plant them and then they just mow them all down once they've once they're finished. Yeah, mow yeah. them down and away they away go they again go for another again. season. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. So, okay, nine four eight four one nine two seven. 
And we'll be going to the news at 9am. Andrea Whiteley in the studio with me this morning in the chair for Miss Faye Akaro. What's happening this week? We have tomorrow, the 3rd of July, the Northern Orchid and Garden Fair is on. Now, this is at the John Septimus Row Community School, which is in Mirabooka Avenue, Mirabooka. So tomorrow, 9am to 3pm, the Northern Orchid and Garden Fair. Orchids, African violets, bromeliads, gerberas, zygo cactus, uh, demos, pot sales, raffles. Only $5 to get in, and that includes a cuppa. It's a wonderful morning, and the array of product there to go and have a look at is incredible. I can vouch for that. So if you have time tomorrow, get along to the Northern Orchid and Garden Fair, John Septimus Row Community School, Mirabooka Avenue in Mirabooka on tomorrow. Go to it if you can. And speaking of events coming up at five past nine, we're chatting with Sandra Presig. Now, Sandra owns Pepper Cottage and this is a beautiful garden that will be open very soon to the public on the 16th and 17th of July. So we're going to cross to Sandra just after the news to learn about her beautiful garden called Pepper Cottage. It's in uh, Bickley. Gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. All those gardens in Bickley must be just filled with camellias in bloom. My camellias are looking gorgeous at the moment. It's camellia season, isn't it? So you imagine up there in the hills they'd be even more gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely. And actually when you do open up uh, on the website to have a look at Pepper Cottage, the first picture that you see is camellias. So absolutely beautiful. And actually this is interesting. Mary of Wembley has phoned in and she said her daffodils have come back as white jonquils as well. And then someone else is saying Margaret of Stoneville said her daffodils have come back as yellow jonquils. Wow, that's very interesting. I wonder what's going on. I don't have the answer to that, but hopefully some bulb guru will give us a call and let us know. Well, yeah, Yeah. okay. Because, I mean, jonquils are lovely, but they're not daffodils, are they? They're definitely not daffodils. Maybe they were bagged incorrectly. Something's gone wrong. Yep. This is packaging packaging people. Quite a revelation. Okay. All right, so... Would you like to win a couple of bottles of Verigrow? What is it, you say? I'm glad you asked. Verigrow is a revolutionary garden fertiliser made from Aussie wool. It is a scientific breakthrough and it is a garden game changer. Created right here in WA, turning Australia green. It's safe, it's natural, could be the best thing ever happened to your garden. If you'd like to learn more about the Verigrow product, go to Verigrow, that's spelled V-E-R-I-G-R-O-W, dot com dot A-U. Now, I've got a couple of litres of Verigrow to give away. It's the Folia Spray. If you'd like to try it, and you're a Curtin FM member and you haven't won a prize in the last 28 days on the station, give Bev a call, um, be the third caller through. But I must stipulate you do need to collect the bottles of uh, Very Grow from the radio station. It's not something that we can post out to you. Bit hard to post it. Bit, bit, a little bit hard to post it. Be the third caller through now and you will have two bottles of Very Grow Folia Spray uh, and you won't regret giving that a well. Okay, nine four eight four. One nine two seven. I was at a conference in Utah, a gardening conference in uh, Utah in twenty nineteen, and there was a guy there doing a very similar thing. So is that so? Yeah. So it's uh, good seeing people using yeah, the exactly. uh, you know the excesses of farming products. Yeah, and, and putting turning... them back into the garden. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It's yeah. absolutely brilliant, and uh, it's smart. 
very, very, very. So and we should be doing more things like that. I, I agree. I agree. So, okay. Now, we were going to talk. I've got on my little list here uh, vegetables to plant now. So we've got a couple of minutes leading into the 9 a.m. news. What do you reckon? Great. Now, let's talk about tasty treats for winter that you can grow yes, really, really please. quickly. So things that you can grow super fast at this time of the year are rocket, great Great salad alternative um, and delicious in a delicious in a I sandwich. I do love rocket. So easy to grow, rocket. Yeah. And and if you've got children at home on the school holidays, rocket I think is probably one of the most easiest things to teach kids about gardening because it grows very fast. So um, kids are used to um, instant gratification, watching TV. Yeah. And, and yeah. Video games. True. Well, rocket is a thing that's going to give them very quick gratification because they'll be they'll be able to see it very quickly growing and they'll be eat, able to eat it within weeks yeah um chinese cabbage you can also grow at the moment silver beet a mizuna is another lettuce alternative yeah, yeah which is like great. that and tatsui which is the little tiny it looks a little bit fleshier than baby spinach but that is also a great thing to plant at the moment. You can also put in some lettuces, some of those lettuces where uh, you'll see them in a combo pack at the mm -hmm. at the garden centre. And um, so you can plant them and then you can just pick the leaves as you need them and they'll go gangbusters at this time of the year. Celery will do really well at this time of the year. It's not too late for your broad beans, Jerusalem artichokes, um, but I would be putting them into a pot the Jerusalem artichokes, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. because yeah, they, can, they can take over your whole garden. Mm. But they are delicious and very hard to find. Um, well, you can't find I them agree. in a supermarket. I agree. Hard to find. Uh, growers markets, you could yeah. find some perhaps. Yeah. Um, you can still put in some potatoes because the ground's still cold. Garlic you can plant. And some people might have even noticed if you have garlic a bit too long in the, in the cupboard, uh, you'll notice it's already starting to shoot. Mm. So you can actually take those little um, sections of the garlic bulb and plant them in the ground. And away and you go. away you go. Free garlic. Okay. Um, and also spinach you mm. can grow at this time of the year. Uh, there's lots of herbs, things like uh, coriander. Mm. Now, coriander in Perth is the thing we should... This is the time of the year when we should be growing it. Yeah, Because if you exactly. grow it in the summer when you... Um, when you think you're going to use it in a salad or an Asian type salad, um, that's actually not the right time of the year for us to grow it because it bolts and goes to sea. Even the slow bolt one still will bolt oh. quite quickly in the yeah, summer. This time of the year, it's beautiful to have in soups or pestos, um, mm. things like that. And then you can uh, you can freeze those pestos in mm. the plastic bag and mm. pop them in the in the. So instead of a basil pesto, you can have a coriander pesto, which That's is well. absolutely beautiful. All right, chamomile you can grow and nasturtiums of course yes we'll talk about this more in a moment we do have to go to the news we do have a winner for the very grow products michelle from east cannington congratulations and thanks for playing with us nine o'clock news 10.9 degrees right now so since eight o'clock the weather has actually doubled its temperature it was five at eight so 10.9 heading for a sunny maximum of 19 today and tomorrow you can expect another sunny day with a maximum of 19 ditto for monday sunny maximum of 20 as well and of course thus far into july we do not have any rain and our total rain tally for june was 60.6 .6 mils against last year of 93.6 mils so we definitely need a good drop let's keep our fingers crossed that we get it 
in July. Now, as promised, we are going to be chatting with Sandra. I hope I'll get her to correct, correct me on the pronunciation of her surname from Pepper Cottage. This garden uh, is situated in Bickley and it's supporting the Cancer Council of WA. There is going to be an open garden on the 16th and 17th of July. Uh, let's learn more about it. Sandra, good morning. Uh, good morning. You're Hello, with Sandra. Ray and Andrea. Now, help me out. How do I pronounce your surname? Presig. Presig. Okay. That's that's not too difficult, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> Tell us all. We're, we're all um, dying to hear about this uh, beautiful garden. We're all a little starved of some open gardens, and I think you're going to get a very, very good turnout, no doubt. Pepper Cottage. Yes. Um, we purchased the property about eight years ago, and there was already a number of camellias, azaleas, and many trees and shrubs established. Yeah. But I've now created paths and garden rooms throughout mm. that and extended it. So we have formal area, tropical, uh, secret garden, camellia. We've got the... Um, white gazebo and the barley gazebo so we're already in love we're all, yeah we're, we're already sandra. loving this yeah which is your favorite room sandra oh no i can't decide that. <laughs> i know it's like saying who's your favorite child isn't it you just can't pick no i definitely can't pick it's actually usually the flavor of the month so whatever's in flower for that yeah, month, yeah. i get quite excited about and then add yeah. to the collection so yeah. what's in flower at the moment uh well there's still quite a bit in the garden that's in flower and the camellias some of them are fully open and some are got large buds ready to burst so I'm hoping my timing for a yeah. two week time will be just perfect and they'll all be in flower you need to give them a good talking to you and say hang on for two weeks hang on yeah. hang on well, once they're <laughs> open they do last quite a while yes, in spring so um, yeah hopefully it'll be a, a lovely sunny day like today and then people can wander around through the garden rooms have tea and coffee and um, just enjoy the atmosphere because it's quite a large garden. It's probably half an acre or so, maybe a bit more. And then we also we do have two and a half acres where we have vines and olives and macadamia nuts, so people are welcome to wander through the property as well. Do you look after all of this yourself, Sandra? Uh my husband and I. Yeah. I, I do the the flower garden, and he he's. Um, in charge of the fruit trees. Funny that. Yeah, it's a bit of a man <laughs> yeah. thing, isn't it? So I'm reading yeah. here you've got pecans, mangoes, mulberry, pears, plums and peach. You've got a lot of uh, beautiful trees there to look at. We have. Um, we love our avocados, so they mm. keep us um, going all year. Uh, year. Uh, the olive oil, we press the olives each year and... So we should have some of that for sale on the day as well that we picked in April. Oh, that's very productive of you. And what about your tropical room? What can we see there? Oh, we have a uh, barley-style bird bath and barley gazebo. Oh. And we have... Um, oh, now the name 
That's all right. Name disappears when I get put on. Yeah, the no, panel. that's all right. That's all right. Have you uh, had to create a, a bit of a microclimate there for your tropical garden because it gets quite cold in Bickley? Mm. Um, have you had to create a bit of a microclimate for your tropicals to do well? Uh, not really. Even though I do notice that the frangipani takes a lot longer to come out into foliage yeah. and flower than, say, the one... I have got one against a wall on the west side and that is much earlier in flowering and losing its leaves. And so I think I think it does find it a bit cold here. Yes, right. And some plants don't like it. So, mm. um, But I do have a number of gingers um, in the garden as well but they're Beautiful. quite large. Good. So how long have you been preparing for this open garden, Sandra? And is it your first open or have you opened before? I did open in 2018 in the spring okay. because I do have about 130 roses as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I've, I wanted to do a spring garden first even though the open garden... Is in winter, yeah. They wanted me to do the winter one because they don't have many people doing a winter garden. Correct, yeah. Okay. And how long have you been a gardening lady yourself? Uh, Probably since I moved to WA when I... in um, 97 and I joined the Cottage Gardeners Circle. Ah, Okay. Yes. So and so, the preparation to open this garden. How long has that been in planning? How many months out do you have to prepare to open your garden? Probably to the eight public? years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of a lot of the um, hard stand, the the paths, the gazebos, and that were done for the previous open garden. So really, it's just been a matter of maintaining it. Yeah, for sure. And um, making sure. The weeds are not there, not mm. have too many, but this time of year you do have oxalis, um, which ah, is a bit yes. hard to get rid of. It sure is. Well, fingers crossed that the weather holds, even if it doesn't, you know, and it's always a gamble in July. Just people, you know, gardeners being what they are, they'll just put on their... their, their Good uh, sturdy shoes yeah, and a brolly. Um, and a brolly and away we go. It doesn't matter. Uh, so you are located at 50 Broadway in Bickley? Yes, Broadway Road. Broadway Road in Bickley. Okay. And uh, proceeds, part proceeds to the Cancer Council of WA? Yes. As well. Yes. Okay. So we encourage everyone to get along. The 16th and the 17th of July, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, always beautiful refreshments and parking on the road and verge. Uh, sounds like you've got everything sorted, mostly wheelchair accessible. So it sounds it sounds like a garden for everyone. Can't wait to come along and visit Pepper Cottage. Great. I can't wait to see you all. Okay. All right. Thanks, all the best. Thanks for your time this morning, Sandra. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Keep safe. Thank you. Cheers for that. It does sound like a lovely garden, and I think the highlight will be her camellias yeah. and azaleas at the moment, and certainly just seeing. I think it sounds like she, from what I'm reading, there's some beautiful structures in place and in areas where you can go and just sit down and just and just be peaceful. Just be peaceful, and yeah. I see that at open gardens sometimes. You'll, you know, when I wander through, I'll look over and I'll see someone just sitting. 
And, like and it's, sometimes it's hard to get rid of the noise in the city. Yeah. So just going a little bit outside of Perth and just, and just sort listening of sitting to nothing. Quietly, listening I love to that. nothing is really nice. Just a few birds tweeting. Yeah. yeah, it's my I, idea. I was of the uh, in a previous life. I was the coordinator of the Open Garden Scheme here in Perth. Yeah. Oh, in Western Australia, we had hundreds of gardens open all across Western Australia, from Esperance right up to Broome, Big and job. everywhere in between. Big job. It was a great job, and saw so many beautiful gardens, mm. and so many beautiful people who create these gardens. And um, as Sandra is very modest about the amount of work that goes I, into I think so too. I was trying to draw you know, that out of her, you know, uh, exactly how much slog goes yeah. in. Yeah, so and Faye will tell you, she's opened her garden many times, but... Yeah. Uh, it is an enormous amount of work, Massive. and uh, that's where Faye and I first met, actually, all those years ago. Is that but, so? Uh, yes, mm. but um, it really is a lot of work. So I encourage people to get out and support these wonderful gardeners who open their gardens to the public. Um, oh, definitely. And it's, it's such a thing to be very grateful for that they let us in exactly. to their little piece of paradise and exactly. have a little peek around. That's it, and, and go and get inspired Absolutely, as well. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Bickley is a beautiful part of the world. It really is gorgeous, and it's mm. such a little, lovely, cool pocket of, yeah. of Western Australia. It is. But, uh, they get some good rain up there, well, they too. They really do, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Indeed. Now, Margaret of Rockingham did phone in and she's saying that she planted daffodils this year and they have come up as jonquils. We also have a few more emails as well, which John's going to bring in. But we also have a little bit of information we've discovered yeah, in our Yeah, John's break. just sent through some more information about the daffodils. And um, the question is, can daffodils revert to become jonquils and paper whites? And the answer is no. Um but uh, to understand, there's lots of different websites that you can go and have a look at, and it's important to understand what the botanical heritage is of the daffodil, yeah. which is different to jonquils. So yeah. it's more likely that it's... to be a packaging error, mm. really. Um, and jonquils and paper whites and daffodils are part of a large genus, which is Narcissus, um, and there's around 50 different species of Narcissus mm. um, and different cultivars uh, and they keep crossbreeding all the time so when that crossbreeding occurs um, sometimes you can get a throwback and I think that's probably even though there seems to be a lot of a people lot. Mm. it's probably happened in one batch that we've all bought them from mm. um, and if we bought them in the same place it's so, likely that it's part of the same from the same company so, so it could a daffodil turn white could is there such no. a thing as a white daffodil there are white daffodils okay. yes for sure and there's beautiful white daffodils that have a a peach colored center mm. absolutely stunning um but daffodils can't turn into jonquils no okay well we've settled that but apparently there's a problem out there we've discovered there that this is. morning there you go okay so nine four eight four one nine two seven is our number andrea whiteley in the studio with me this morning you give her a call so we can spend a bit of time with you before it bottlenecks at the end of the program which is often the case and you can email us by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au as well now Gardening show is going to have a little winter break from next Saturday. So that's the 9th and the 16th of July, returning the 23rd of July. So we do take two weeks off in the middle of July each year. It often quietens down from a garden perspective. We recharge our batteries uh, and it also coincides with school holidays for Faye because uh, she's a grandkid nana. She likes to be with her grandkids over that period of time and fair enough. So we are... 
away next Saturday and the following Saturday being the 9th and 16th of July, returning on the 23rd of July. Don't forget, we've got lots of gardening uh, podcasts on our website. You can go in and have a browse through through those. There's lots to refresh yourself with, and that's simply by going to curtainfm.com.au. And uh, on the front page, there's... Uh, go to programs as a drop down bar click on let's talk gardening and away you go there's hundreds of shows there now for you to have a bit of a listen through and a bit of a browse and uh, in case you're feeling a little bit garden show deprived on a Saturday morning it's yeah. another option and if for people you. are not tech savvy they can always go to their local library Mm-hmm. Um, and you can you can listen to podcasts at the library. They'll help you to tune in and yeah, and find good. out more about them. Um, or just go to the library and get a book, yeah. and, and be inspired by a book. Or go and visit an open garden. Exactly. There's so many things to do. There's so much to do. Or go and learn how to grow mushrooms. Yes, <laughs> as well. Okay, we'll have a break, and when we return, we're chatting with Marion about orange trees. Radio. 21 minutes after nine, you're tuned to Let's Talk Gardening and at 10 a.m. Jim Crinan, I had to remember then, Jim Crinan <laughs> will join you at 10 a.m. with the classic 70s. Uh, I have a lot of senior moments these days. Too many things on my it's only mind. get worse. I know, happy days. All right, let's head out to Waterman's. Marion, good morning. Good morning. Morning. Okay. How are you ladies today? We're good. Fighting We're good. fit. Thank you. That's good. I have got um, an orange tree in the backyard. I don't know what sort it is. It was my late husband planted it many years ago. I'm having a problem with the... got plenty of oranges on it, but they keep splitting. Would that be all the rain we've had or something else? Um, it more likely is um is a, a a rain event yep you might have had a sudden burst of rain well with the rain we've had this yeah. year sort of thing although we I haven't had very had much lot. we've only had no, 60 we haven't. mils so no lots of, the... more likely to be something else <laughs> other than that could be a, a nutrient issue in the soil which oh, is okay. causing them to split so how um, can i find that whether it is or not that's all um, they're beautiful oranges they don't go they're just some of them drop off and they just split. They're not yeah. off or anything. There's no um, any sort of, um, um, you know, anything bad with them. I've eaten them. I've just cut a little bit edge where it's split and, and eaten them and yeah. they're fine. Oh, good. So it's not all of them, it's just a few? No, just the sum, yes. Right, yeah. okay. But it has got a lot of orange on at the moment. Um, so I just keep an eye on it and see, you know, if they look like they're splitting or if they're going to split, I just take them off. But yeah. I, um, I actually, I don't know what would cause that to happen on just a few. If it's a no. whole tree, it's another issue. Yeah. But um, and on just a few, I don't know. So I'd continue no. doing what you're doing. Um, mm, okay. And then when it's finished fruiting, give, give <clears> it a spray with the, um, the fungicide just to sort of, uh, you know, okay. make sure it's nice and healthy. And um, are you fertilising at all? No, I haven't. No. Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll... No, I haven't put any down this year. So no. when it's finished fruiting, it might be worthwhile putting a citrus fertiliser oh, okay. down. Okay. Because um, mm. sometimes okay. a sudden uptake in, in fertiliser, you know, if you put a big dump of fertiliser, can cause it all to, them no, to grow no, too I haven't fast done and that. split. So, no, um, I done okay, that. all right. Well, um, I would definitely give them a fertiliser for next season. 
So oh, it's okay. too late for right this home. season, but um, yes. certainly um, through the summertime, give them a citrus fertiliser. That would be helpful. Okay, and then. regular watering. And just make sure there's nothing well, underneath. I don't, I don't water them. I mean, so far, the only water they've had this year so far has been... Um, From the rain. Uh, the rain, yes. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're amazingly resilient. And, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, you look at where they come from, there's not much rain in Spain. No. <laughs> <laughs> It falls no, mainly, on, mainly the on the plane. I was about to say, very clever. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I've right. got another, not a question, but a, a, a statement. Um, he also had an apple tree in the garden, and it's, um, I can't remember the name, it's an unusual shape apple, a red one. Um, now, a couple of years ago, I did ring the station, and they, t- no, there was something in the paper about a bug that gets in apples because they kept uh, getting, coming big and then you sort of open them and they're all yucky inside right um so the paper had said get this maverick i think it is yes it was i got so i thought right the next time it said spray as soon as the buds start to appear which i did religiously yes um every three weeks for for once you know one two three times and all the apples came on quite a few apples came on it and they still had all the bugs in it I got fed up with this. So last season, um, when all the buds started to appear, I didn't put anything on them at all. Blow me down, I didn't get one bug in the tree. Oh, there you go. So you've obviously killed them the year before. <laughs> I must have done. Yeah. And well done. You got on top of that, Marion. Well done. Yeah. yeah, I did. Yes. So, um, But it seems to be able to have two seasons a year because I had apples at the beginning of the year. I've got one that's starting to form on the tree again already. Some of them can do that, yes. Yes, yeah. yes. And it's probably grafted too, is it? I think it might yeah. be because one particular branch has got this new one. On the others, there's none on the others. So right. it must be one branch. It will be grafted, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you have anyway. to have two types, two different types, compatible types of apples for it to fruit. Oh, I see. So oh, a grafted okay. one so it means that it's got the two apples on the one tree, so you don't have to yeah. worry about getting a second tree. Uh, I'd, oh, I would have had to get a second tree. I didn't realise that. Okay. I mean, I've never grown much fruit before, but so... Uh, oh, okay. Anyway. Well, what a wonderful gift your husband has left you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and I'm looking forward to going. I'm going to put the date and everything down for that garden, that open garden. That yes. Oh, what a wonderful day out. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Would have been beautiful today, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, it will exactly. be lovely in a fortnight's time too. Two weeks' time, <laughs> And thank you for your show. You're welcome. Thanks, Marion. Okay, then. Bye. Cheers for that. Bye. What an upbeat lady. Very cheerful, enthusiastic. And how lovely. What a wonderful reminder that, you know, planting a tree today, like Mm. her husband did, in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years' time, your legacy lives on. It does. For the work that you've done as a gardener. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a very special gift that we can do. We can leave. And put back to the planet. Mm. and give a little bit of ourselves so that as we mm. drive around the streets, we can say, I planted that, or yeah. my mum planted that, or yeah. my dad, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. I think that's you a lovely on. thing. Live yeah, on through the... live on through nature. Beautiful. Okay, we are in Willoughby. Beppy, good morning. Good morning. Hello, Beppy. How are you? Well, I'm good. I'm good. Now, uh, I have a question in regards to agapanthus. Yes, how can I help? Um, do agapanthus need cutting back? 
Well, if your agapanthus are anything like my agapanthus <laughs> this, <laughs> after last burnt summer, they got burnt yeah. to smithereens. Mm. So all the leaves, well, a lot of the leaves went completely white. So yeah. I went around and I pulled all those after I knew that the last of the heat was finished. I went around and pulled all those um, dead and dying leaves off just because for aesthetics, really. They just look terrible. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So remove them um, and now you don't need to do anything to them. You shouldn't okay, need to cut them I have off. seen people cut their agapanthus, all the greenery, everything off their agapanthus and no. let them no. out again. No, I wouldn't do that. I, I think that's too stressing on the plant, especially okay. at the moment. Um, and agapanthus, they grow like a weed, really. So they and they, they're great they for filling up a big space. Uh, yes. where it's perhaps very, very dry underneath. They'll take over, fill a space beautifully, bloom their heads off. And the it's interesting because I've got them in a huge big garden bed on my verge and both ends our uh, house faces, uh, faces south, uh, south, north-south on the block. Um, so at the eastern end where we cop that morning sun, they got burnt, and on the western end where we caught the afternoon it's sun, they got burnt, yeah. but in the middle, oh, they're awesome. all lovely and green. Yeah. So, um, look, just remove the spent leaves, but leave the other green leaves, they, you know. Okay. Then they look lovely in this time of the year, lovely and lush and green and fleshy, that beautiful deep green leaf is gorgeous. Yes, that, and they do look nice at the moment. They yes. really do, yeah. Yeah, all right. Okay, well, so long as I don't have to cut them back, that's oh, great. That's one, one more job that you don't have to do, Beppy. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you so much for your help. Thank you. Well, cheers, Beppy. Okay. Cheers, have, Beppy. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. And let's head to Queen's Park. Karen, hi. How's it going? Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Hi, Karen. I am so angry. Why does all the, the pests attack my garden? Attack my garden? I can't, wherever I look, there's always some trouble somewhere. Oh, I think that applies to most of us, Karen. It's all about yeah. balance, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> no, pick your um, enemies, pick your enemies. <laughs> I have a passion fruit vine, which uh, uh, has got lots of uh, new, green new, uh, new green shoots, but they all start shriveling up. It just looks like... Um, is chili strip, do they take passion fruit vine as well? Can, yes, they can. Yes. So, um, have you got chili thrip in your garden? Sorry? If I, have you got chili thrip in your garden? Yes, I have it on my roses. Okay. Yeah, you can find it. It will affect other things. Like, for example, it um, affects my um, tree dahlia. Uh, it can affect other things. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it will jump in. So no, it could I, be that if it looks similar to your roses, then that's it what it is. It looks very similar. Yeah, that's what oh, it is, so, particularly I'm, if it's the new shoots. So a great way that I've found, now, you know, we were talking earlier about making mistakes in the garden hmm. and yeah. you know, how, how we learn from the things that we've done and done well and done differently. I've, I think I've got control on the chili thrip in my garden because I make sure that in the summertime the soil around those particular plants doesn't dry out. So I make sure they yeah. don't like it when it's cold and wet. That's right. So the chili thrip, I mean. So yeah. if you make sure that around the base of the plants that you don't want to be affected, that you know could be affected by the chili thrip, if you make mm -hmm. sure that they're kept nice and damp, not soaking wet, but just nice and damp, you'll find that the, you'll have much less 
problems with the chili thrip than you have had in the past rather than okay. having to spray 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 all the time you will if it's very bad then you of course you will need to spray um, but I would really give them a good deep water cut off the affected branches now or the okay, affected yeah. parts, mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. because they should be fruiting your passion fruit should be fruiting is it yeah but it doesn't uh, it's funny my passion fruit always fruits so very late so I got only a couple a few flowers okay uh, and and uh, I honestly haven't even noticed any fruit yet, but they always come late. Last year also, and I, I don't seem to be the only one. There's, there are lots of other yeah. uh, callers I've, I've noticed that uh, they're also complaining that their fruiting is very late that's in right. the year. That's right, and that's got to do with what we're calling um, climate creep. It's where the seasons are sort of moving, mm -hmm. all because of climate change. So you yeah, will yeah, yeah. see things like this happening. Um, mm -hmm. So I would give it some fertiliser. Are you fertilising it at all? I do, but I, I, that's one thing I'm not quite sure. Shall I fertilise it now? Or, um, yes. So when you see the flowers starting to mm -hmm. appear, it wouldn't hurt to give it some fertiliser. So you want to be pick a fertiliser that's specially for flower and fruit. So something that is not high in nitrogen because you've probably got plenty of leafy growth yes, but I not have. many yeah. flowers. So you need to find yeah. something that's high in, um, in, in, other, in other elements. So something that's specifically for flower and fruit will give you that. And an all-round fertiliser is what you need. For flower okay, and okay. So, so give and, it that. And and I also have a ground cover, but it's also a bit further away. And they they uh, this the new shoots seem yeah, to affect it as well. Too. Same thing. Mm. So give it more water. You, you know, yeah, Eve, is everything's very dry. We've only had yeah. sixty mils of rain. Yeah, yeah. The soil it's is dry true. and sandy. Yeah, yeah, you're um, right. So you do you need to hand water some things mm -hmm. still, like containers. Yep. I'm out there mm -hmm. hand watering those for sure because they're drying out super fast. Yeah. These sunny days yeah. and the wind yep. dries everything out yeah, and dries absolutely. the topsoil. Yeah. So yeah, it's just strange. The plants look quite happy if they're not watered, but I thought that I should water them. Yeah. They, uh, they don't really shrivel up drying, uh, drying out. It's just, just they look so horrible. Yeah, just cut it off. Cut okay. it off. Yeah, It'll sorry, make you feel I'm, happy. I've come. just come out of hospital and, and that's why I'm, I'm a bit a bit worried about. So I'll have oh. to go and water it also. Yeah, that's give it a water and cut off the affected mm -hmm. branches. Okay. I'll and some fertiliser. Okay. Good, good. I do that. Thank okay. you so much. Thank Thanks, Karen. All the best. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Okay, good. Bye. Thanks. And let's go to Ben. Yep. We're talking about frangipani cuttings. Mary, hi. Hi, how are you? Hi, we are Mary. Good. good. Thank you. Okay, um, I'm just over the hill from Faye, sort of. Yes. But in uh, up sand on five acres, I've got French panic cuttings that are half to two metres high and we've put them out under the trees um, so that they're semi-protected and I've put a very loose but big plastic cover over them. They're standing in, you know, the pod cages, the metal ones. Right. That you get. They're about a metre. But I don't have the cuttings standing on the ground. I was going to put some shade cloth around to keep them sort of semi-warm, but there's still a bit of air circulation. No. So what I would do is not cover them at all because they're just going to hmm. rot. So... The, at this time of the year, the sap flow is 
is very um, slow. So what you need to do is actually turn them upside down. Oh, so that the cutting, the bit that you've cut off from the main branches should be sticking yeah. up towards the sky. Okay. Um, so that just that. it reduces the sap flow at the bottom so that then um, it's not going to rot down there at the bit that you're going to plant. It'll be nice and dry when you go to plant it in the soil. When do you plant? So I would um, start planting when the soil warms up a little bit. So sort of... Um, Probably uh, end of August, I would think about planting them. And the idea is to plant them into a deep, skinny hole with no fertiliser and no water. So when you put them into that deep, skinny hole so that they're nice and secure and really firm them into the soil very well, um, you'll find that they'll stand up nice and straight and they will not even look back. Okay, now we've got sand. That's all right. Yeah, that's okay. Everywhere yeah. I plant in Perth mm. has got sand. Same mm. thing. So try and dig the deepest, skinniest hole that you can and just pound that sound, sand back in nice and tight around the cutting and they'll take off like gangbusters. Okay. Now, where do they um, need to go? Do they need where they're going to get? See, they come from northern New South Wales and everything just grew. Yes. So... Well, you know, do they need a little bit of water? Because that's... hardly any water, hardly any water. Most people lose their frangipanis because they overwater them. They need almost yeah, no I water do. in our sandy soil and almost yeah. no fertilizer. You look in the old gardens in, um, you know, the, some of the older suburbs like Nedlands and uh, yep. Wembley, and the, those gardens didn't have any water. They just stuck them in the ground and off they went. So. No water, no fertiliser. If you fertilise them, you'll end up with lots of green leafy growth and not very yep. many flowers. So they're a very, very tough plant that don't like to be overwatered. Do they like to be close to each other? Uh, you could do a hedge of them, uh, but they need to be uh, able to spread out their branches. The sure canopies not can touch. get very big, yeah. yeah. Mm. And what are their roots like? Oh, shallow rooted. Shallow rooted. Um, and very easy to remove if you have a problem with them. Okay, thank you. That's just fantastic. I'm excited because I love Frangipani. Oh, they're gorgeous. We all do. Yeah. They're gorgeous, absolutely. Right. Thanks, well, Mary. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Bye. Thank Cheers you. for Bye. that. Okay, happy customer. All right, now we are heading to Les Murdy. Alan, good morning. Oh, good morning. And look, you're in... Listeners may be interested in this. Uh, I'm actually uh, providing some information uh, of a lady. Her daughter is a farmer up in the uh, uh, Wheatbelt, and she has proved that by planting east-west versus north-south reduces weeds and increases production. And... Uh, I thought that may go for your general day-to-day -day gardeners. Uh, the reason they used to plant north-south was to protect, protect the drivers from having to drive into the sun in the morning and into the sun in the evening. But now they provide them with sunglasses and that. But the, uh, if you Google it, uh, her name is Denise Borger, so I don't need, uh, you know, it's, it's there in the Google, so I don't think I'm uh, saying anything that I shouldn't. But uh, planting east-west, you'll get better production, less weeds than north-south. Very good. Well, if you can, why not? 
useless information maybe to some, but to others it might be no, worthwhile. helpful for veggies and things like that, for sure. And I like the idea of less weeds. Wow. Well, it, you know, if you Google it, it gives you all the statistics and, and uh, yeah. the actual uh, gardening or, sorry, the farming paper, she was headline news about this and it, apparently it's gone, you know, around the world, uh, you know, inverted commas. But uh, I just thought that that might assist, I guess, if you're planting even flowers or things like that, uh, east, west rather than north, south. And so, Alan, the website for listeners to go and have a look at if they want to, it's called Denise? Uh, it's actually, it's, if you just Google, it, it's got east-west crop orient, orientation. East-west, okay. Sorry, east-west orientation for improved crop competition. Okay. Have a look. It's really it's really interesting. And uh, she did, uh, as I say, headline... Uh, yeah. Uh, front page on the local farming. No, no. Let's... Definitely worth researching for sure, Alan. We'll have a read. Yeah. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate Anyway, I'll let you ladies go into something else. Okay. Well, no, I appreciate you. your call. That's thank great. you, Alan. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Bye. Okay, cheers. Okay. Bye. It's always worth having a read. And you know, that's what gardening's all about, yeah, is learning sharing. from other people and sharing information. Little agree tidbits, more. really helpful for people. Yeah. No, thank you. So, okay, let's take a break. When we return, we're talking with Mac about ants and Jeanette about seesaw. Curtain Radio. Hope you're having a good morning. We are on Let's Talk Gardening, straight back out to the lines, and we're in Kingsley talking about ants. Mac, good morning. Good morning, all. How are we? Good, Mac. How are you? Have you got an ant problem? Yeah, I've got a lot of ants in my paving. You know why? (laughs) You know why? I know what you're going to say. Do you know why you've got lots of ants? No. Would you like me to tell you? <laughs> because it's so dry. They're dry. coming up looking for moisture. So they're, they're desperately, desperately thirsty. So they're coming up because we've had such little amounts of rain. They'll go deep down if there's water. Okay, because I've, I've tried to spray in a powder, but, and they're like little volcanoes. I know. Yeah. But you know what? The ants do an amazing job. They, um, and... If you think you can kill them with one lot of powder, you you're joking, <laughs> because because underneath you will see underneath your paving is enormous colonies of ants. So yeah, I, I um, you know, if if it really bothers you, you can sweep up the little piles on your paving, um, uh, or blow it. But really, watering it is probably going to be the best thing. It's just okay, water it in. And then um, the ants will go, the, the more water that comes on the pavers, the deeper they will go down and rather than trying to come up and um, to, to get some water. So that's what okay, they're looking for, moisture. Because I was worried, worried about if they, too much sand comes up, the paving's going to drop. Yeah, so just just uh, give it a squirt with the hose okay. and water them water them down and they'll go down deeper. The, the more water that goes onto your paving, they'll go down deeper. And, you know, they, they do an amazing job, a bit like slaters. They all do a job of breaking down things and, and turning turning soil, you know, working through the soil for you. So yeah. yep. um, they've got a role to play in our soil and, you know, taking one good bacteria from one location to the next. So it is important that we uh, keep them all going. 
um, yep. rather than trying to poison everything. So a bit of water on the surface of your pavers, wash them down once a week, that'll be plenty. I'm not advocating, oh, right. you know, spray, spray, spraying with water because that's a waste of water. But just, you know, where you see them coming up, put a little yep. bit of water down into the hole and they'll go down deeper rather than trying to destroy your paving. Okay, ladies, thank you very much. And you have a nice day. You, you too. too. Thanks, Mac. Enjoy the sunshine. Bye. Bye. Let's go to Cardinia. We certainly move around on this show. Jeanette, good morning. Morning, guys. Good morning, um, Jeanette. I just wanted to ask, I've just been reading the paper, and Sabrina Hahn in the gardening section has said that sea salt makes the soil alkaline. Can I have some advice on that? I tend to use sea salt about every six to eight weeks on my plants, especially the veggies and sometimes pots and so forth. Have you got any ideas about whether that's correct and does it cause a problem? Well, she's a guru. She knows what she's talking about. Um, and I think, you know, using any anything on your plants, use a little, uh, you know, don't ever use too much of anything. Um, and a little bit of sea salt is a good thing, um, but using it as often as you are might be a little bit too much. Um, you want to try and if you, especially if you've got a good quality potting mix, um, you'll find that that has a pH of about about seven, seven point five, something like that, and that's you know well regulated. It's been produced so that it's always consistent. Um, you'll find that you don't need to add a lot of things into it, so you might be overdoing it a bit. So yes, you can change the pH of your soil. Um, and can change but you know a little bit is okay but uh, on a regular basis it, it probably is a bit too much okay you could check your own ph levels in your soil Jeanette yes I know yes yeah. I haven't done that yeah, but yeah that's something you could do as well just to because I mean really sea salt is just a soil conditioner isn't it's it? absolutely it's just not a, a fertilizer not a fertilizer mm. Um, there's that. other yeah. products on the market that are, um, and it's great for, um, for instance, on a hot day, if I'm planting out, you know, doing a big installation at somebody's home, on a very hot day, I'll get a great big, you know, one of those flexi buckets that you can buy at the hardware store. Yeah, I like those. Put ice use in. Those, yeah. I use them a lot in gardening. Mm -hmm. So I'll fill one of them up and put a couple of capfuls uh, into that bucket and I dunk the whole plant into it with the still with the pot on for every single plant that goes into the ground um, until the bubbles have gone and that and then you take it out of the pot and put it into the ground that uh, really helps to reduce transplant shock on a very hot day mm. so you can use it for that um, and use it say once I think six to eight weeks is too much if you use it say once every three months would be plenty Okay, and I do do that with um, planting out as well. Great, yeah, really but good. I try not to have it too strong. You know, no, definitely not. No, nice and diluted. Yeah, just follow the directions on the pack. But I think six to eight weeks is probably a bit too much. So you might be okay. going down that track for sure. All right, thank you. Right, thanks, thanks, Jeanette. Cheers for that. All right, we're going to take a short break. But just quickly before we do, how would you like to go shopping? I have a $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees in Pickering Brook to give away. You must be a Curtin FM member to, to play with us and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. 
What could you get with your voucher? Well, bigger trees, as you already know, specialise in frangipanis, ornamental and fruit trees. But they do have a huge range of literally everything. And they do have new bare root stock uh, arriving. And right now, the camellias and the azaleas are looking absolutely fantastic. And they've got gorgeous new stock arriving with proteas and leucodendrons and grevilleas. There's some nice ideas. So your $75 voucher shopping experience will be an exciting one. And if you want to learn more about what's, what Bigger Trees do, they have their website, biggertrees.com.au, and they have a Facebook page you can browse as well. Now, here's one of John's questions, and they're getting curlier and curlier. We say that each week, and we think he's outdone himself, and then the next week it gets even even stranger. This is the question. What plant name is missing from this title of George Orwell's novel, which was published in 1936? It's called Keep the Something Flying. Keep the Something Flying. What is the something? Keep the something flying. So what plant name is missing from this title of George Orwell's novel, published in 1936? Keep the blank, blank, blank. Flying. Give Bev a call now on 94841927. When we return, we're chatting with Jenny about ants as well. Thanks for your company this morning. Straight back out to the lines. We are in Dawesville. Jenny, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I was just listening to the bloke with the ants. The ants with them. Um, not long ago, I heard somebody talking about coffee grinds. Yeah. How they were good to get rid of ants, and it worked for us. Did it? Okay. I know they're good for things like snails and slaters and things. Not slaters, sorry, slugs. Uh, I know coffee grounds work well. We had a bit of a problem with those little red ones that bite, Mm. and they were affecting the grandchildren playing on the lawn. So, Uh, God, yes, yes. We we tried it, and um, yeah, it seems to have got rid of them. Coffee grounds, that's That's a really. But Good idea. Not only you have that nice coffee smell. <laughs> <laughs> I like it even more, Jenny. And you don't even need to drink it. <laughs> no, that's right. Well, it's, any, it's worth a try and it's worked for well, you. Thank you. If it, you know, if, if, even if he just sort of spreads them around before he puts water on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yep. Give it a whirl. Give it a whirl and, and try and get rid of them. But, it, you know, it did. It definitely worked for us. And it's a good way to recycle the coffee grounds too. Get them from your local cafe. Ask them for a bag of them. Yeah, a non-plastic bag. <laughs> we um we have a local jester's here in like in Miami, and he's more than willing to give us his coffee grinds. Yep. Fantastic. Oh, the coffee yeah. shops. Yeah. Otherwise, they're just dumping yeah. them. So yeah. they're more than happy to That's assist, right. and they and are very useful. Does it not promote the leafy growth, like the foliage as well? On not really. No. 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 I no. don't. No. I think that's a bit of an uh, urban yeah. myth. <laughs> but that's just, yeah, I, yeah, I think it yeah. might be. Yeah, yeah. yeah coffee grounds, it works for us, so yeah, maybe you could try. It doesn't hurt to try it, does no, it? No, and it's good to recycle things, so I think it's wonderful. Thanks for sharing, Jenny. No worries. Cheers. Take care. Thank you. Cheers Bye. for now. Okay, and Shirley of Stratton called in, and she said she's received advice on dandelion leaves to eat. And, of course, don't use from community spaces, which may have been sprayed, or the bush because of animal droppings. Oh, Grow your own. Wash it. Hmm? Wash them. 
wash them. Yeah, make mm. sure you wash everything before you. Like you know, I wouldn't be worried about animal droppings. They'll be no. in your own backyard. Yeah. If you live in Florida, then there's rats everywhere. So yeah, I think it's rats wash in every every bird yeah, these days. I think yeah. No, okay. you've got to wash. I would always say wash whatever you're going to put into your yeah mouth. because look hey I um in my burb I was watching uh, the council running around spraying things during the week and they've got these tractors and they've got this you know it is poison that yeah. they're spreading and uh, and they drive them like crazy and zipping around trees and the stuff's going in all directions and I just stood there and watched my mouth hanging open. It's out there, so you just have to be aware that some you know, of the councils have started using I know, steam. I know, which is wonderful. You know, exactly, yeah. exactly. Now we do have a winner for our seventy-five dollar gift voucher from Bigger Trees, Enos of Thornley. Thanks for playing with us. So well done too. So here was the question: What plant name is missing from this title of George Orwell's novel, published in nineteen thirty-six, called "Keep the"? whatever flying well the answer is keep the aspidistra flying oh. okay so well done enos and thanks everyone for I've playing i've never seen with a us. flying aspidistra sorry i've never seen a flying aspidistra. <laughs> you do you, are you an aspidistra girl i think, uh, I think we've all got one most, most people have got one these days. somewhere absolutely okay and Okay, yeah, they are, they are. Okay, so we've got a few minutes of the show left. Well, let's just confirm the uh, information about seesaw. So we've actually got some facts for you from John. Thanks, John. The pH of seesaw uh, is 10.5 to 11.4. Very high. So there you go. So if you're adding it to a soil... Regularly. Which is, or, mm. which is already alkaline. Yeah, um, you could be creating remember a Remember, we have very, very alkaline soils here. So mm. if you're adding more then you're going to get a certain result. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yep. And you won't be able to grow hydrangeas, that's for sure, or any other acid-loving plants. No, and, no, no. Yeah. And is there anything else that uh, John has brought in that you'd like to mention, or are we all good there? Um, there's a, a little email from a lady who's growing her frangipani in water. Yeah. Um, and it's flowered. Well, and she's about to put it in a pot. That's from... Uh, a leader, um, I would be um, just err on the side of caution there because if you have a frangipani just in water, you may find may find that the base of it will rot. For sure, they don't grow in water. They very don't. Well. No, yeah. so no, it might for be sure. for okay for a little while, but eventually, but you'll find that it will rot. Yeah. Yes. So dry them out. Yeah, for yep. sure. Absolutely. Especially if you're trying to plant it at this time of the year. And Jeannie of Beechborough phoned in and said her remedy for ants, leaves of wormwood plant, make a tea and pour over the area. So Yeah, so see what Jenny's doing? She's a genie. She's uh, pouring water. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the wormwood plant, is that the Artemisia? Artemisia, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that is known uh, for being up. It's something that people plant around to get rid of uh, parasites and things around. For Ch chickens. Chickens yeah, and yeah. things Artemisia like that as well. for that, yeah, for the and, mites. And mites yeah. yeah, correct. And Alan of Mandra has rung in and he's saying to use bicarb soda and caster sugar. Uh, Bev's no. Please just use water. Yeah, just use water. <laughs> Don't waste your good bicarb. Use that to clean the the uh, clean the house. Okay. So what haven't we covered this morning? 
We've, we've talked a little bit about weeds. We've talked about what vegetables. Pretty pots for winter. You've got a minute. Oh, God. Go. Okay. Sorry, I know. So, you were all packed up. thought you were so, escaping me. No. Here's some great ideas, some very quick Thank things you. if you want a, a beautiful pot at the front door. Um, the hellebores are looking absolutely stunning in, oh, at I the love moment. Them. I don't have a lot of success the with them. Yeah, but in a pot. Treat it as an annual. Yeah, Have it at the front okay, door. Okay. There's a gorgeous blush pink one that's out and about at the moment called Tutu. There's another one called Hannah's Blush, which is a brighter pink. And, and they're growing some of, them, some of them now where instead of the flower tending to face downwards, that they're a little it bit more... sticks up. Yeah, yeah this so is what we want. See it. No, yeah. they're absolutely stunning. Mm. So they will look beautiful. The other thing that's in flower at the moment is Limonium perezii, which is the status, perennial status. Yeah. Tough, tough, tough plant. Yeah. Beautiful um, blue or purple flower on yeah. the stem. Absolutely gorgeous. They look great in a pot or in a garden bed, yeah. and they'll put up with the dry. Another thing that you could put in would be any of the Nandinas. So there's new breeds of Nandinas. Yeah. Um, that look absolutely amazing. So um, worthwhile having a look at them. Just if you want foliage colour at the front door. Yeah. yeah, and they're very hardy and pe- very yeah. not many things affect the Nandinas. Absolutely. Isn't yeah. that right? Yeah. Okay, just reminding everyone that we are having a two-week break from the garden show. So that's the 9th and the 16th of July. We will return on the 23rd of July. Andrew, you've been a star this morning. Two hours goes very, very it fast. Flies by. I know on Let's Talk Gardening. Thanks everyone uh, for playing with us today and your phone calls. And Andrea, thank you. For, thank you. And and also Bev Daring and John Glidden do a lot of work behind the scenes for us. And I know Bev's been run off her feet this morning. Jim Crinan is next with the classic seventies. Enjoy that. And uh, the gardenism, Faye sent me this one during the week. She does like to still have her toe in the water. Good on your Faye. Oh, Adam was a gardener and God who made him sees that half a proper gardener's work is done upon his knees. There ain't no shortcuts, folks. True. Look, take care. Keep safe, everyone. And the garden show will return on the 23rd of July. Okay. Happy gardening. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.